Hello, Real Life family. It's good to be together with you again, and today we're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and before we do, though, I just have a quick announcement I want to give to you. Uh, in a couple of weeks, starting on June 26th uh, through August 7th, Amy and I are going to be taking a sabbatical. Uh, so this is kind of a, a new thing. We've done this um, about eight years ago. I, I did a four-week sabbatical. And uh, the purpose of this sabbatical is for us to rest and just get recharged and renewed. Uh, we're going to have a family vacation time and spend some time with our family. But this is something that other pastors uh, that I'm associated with try to work into their ministry every five to seven years to take a, an extended break. This one is going to be six weeks. And uh, the good news is there's no crisis, there's no problems, there's no issues going on. Uh, this has been planned for several months, and uh, Amy and I are just going to get recharged and rested, and we're going to pray through uh, our future um, and just uh, come back renewed and just excited about what God has for us as a church. So we already have all of our speakers lined up during this time, and for the online service, uh, we're going to do our very best to continue to have those speakers uh, provide the online service. We're, we're still working through a couple of things, but I think we'll be able to get, get a, a service together every week. Uh, but there might be one or two that might not happen that way. But uh, stay tuned. Hopefully, we'll have that message for you each week. But my challenge to you uh, as a church, obviously the church is not supposed to be dependent on one person like me. Now, I know I'm the pastor, but um, we are the body of Christ. And so I just want to challenge you, even though I'm going to be on a sabbatical, I want to see our church just keep growing stronger and deeper. I want to see you keep serving God, loving God, reaching out, making a difference with your life. And uh, because that's who we are. Um, you know, this is not about me. This is about us. And we all have a part to play. So keep playing your part in the kingdom of God. Keep building the kingdom of God. And uh, I want to return, you know, after my sabbatical to a church that's fired up, excited, stronger, deeper, wider, and just ready for all that God has for us. So amen. So anyway, uh, if you got any questions, let us know. But our elders will be attending our services. And each week, uh, I have a different elder couple assigned to our staff to encourage them and meet with them and pray with them. And our guest speakers will be Ryan Craig, Megan Fondren, Pastor Tim Forstoff, David Smith Sr., and Pastor Bob Koch. So they'll be bringing a, a great word, a great message for us uh, during that time. So today I want to continue with our series and kind of finish the series on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And Ryan did a great job last week talking about uh, building our lives on the rock. And I don't even think he meant to do this on purpose, but he actually pulled this out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just going to assume that it's part of our series. And I want to do a quick review before I go into our last uh, message on the Sermon on the Mount uh, today, which is going to be entitled A Kingdom Life. So we started with uh, a blessed life, and we talked about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And this is all about a new way of living, that Jesus is introducing to us a new way of living. And he's bringing a whole different approach to, to the people uh, that he's speaking to. And the Beatitudes is really a state of happiness or ultimate well-being and spiritual joy uh, due to our salvation. And Jesus is saying that participation in the kingdom of God results in your ultimate well-being. And it's really counter-cultural. Um, the way of living that Jesus is presenting to us 
and the Beatitudes is countercultural because it is counter to selfishness. Because Jesus and the Beatitudes is, is, is um, creating a different way of experiencing life. Instead of self-preservation, it's giving oneself away. And that's why I say that love is the opposite of selfishness, not hate. Love is the opposite of selfishness, because selfishness is just being preoccupied with self, but love is laying oneself down for other people. And everything that Jesus is talking about is based on love, God's love for you and for me, and then the expression of that love through us to one another. And he says, you know, all the law, all the, all the uh, Old Testament, all that, that Old Testament law is based on or motivated by love. God loves us. He loves you. And when his love enters our life, he wants that love to overflow through us to one another. And that's the opposite of selfishness. That's why this is almost like an upside down world uh, compared to the message that Jesus is bringing. Love your enemies? What? That doesn't make any sense. Give your life away and then you'll find it? What? That doesn't, you know, that doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus is bringing in the Sermon of the Mount a different way of living life that actually works. <laughs> that actually works. And so religion is really focused on, you know, the preservation of self. If you think about it, religion is very selfish. It's, it says basically, what must I do so that I am saved? And it just focuses on oneself and one's position before God. And yet, what if that was already settled? What if you are right with God through faith in Jesus? If that can be set aside and there's no longer a preoccupation with how am I doing before God? Am I measuring up yet or not? If that issue is settled, which it is through faith in Jesus Christ, then we can live a life that Jesus is talking about where we give our life away. We're not so focused on ourselves. We begin to focus on how we can love God and love other people. We're set free from religion because we have a relationship with God. We're not striving and preoccupied with ourselves and our performances and all the, all the things that we're concerned about because that is settled. That's settled in our hearts. Now we can live life uh, by giving our life away to other people. And that's really a summary of the Beatitudes. And then the next week we talked about a righteous life. So you want to live a blessed life? You actually give it away, right? If you want to live a righteous life, Jesus is talking about real true righteousness is based on love. It's not based on legalism. And he debunks the idea or the fallacy, fallacy of legalism, which is really an, a self-righteous attempt to obey external laws without regard to internal change, right? It's like somehow, you know, projecting oneself as obeying the external things, but inside you, you aren't obeying it at all. And so Jesus does two things in terms of debunking or uh, breaking down the, the fallacy of legalism. The first thing he does is to those who think that they are righteous because of their obedience to the law, Jesus um, uses the law to condemn them by showing them that it's impossible for you to actually uh, obey all the law, that you are not righteous and no one will be considered righteous through obedience to the law because nobody can perfectly do it. So he says, well, you think murder is just about killing someone? He's like, no, no, no. It's about having hatred or anger towards someone, cursing someone. You think um, adultery is just about, you know, 
another person's spouse. No, no, no. It's about what's going on in your heart. Is there lust in your heart? You see, and so what he's doing is two things. First thing he's doing is to the pr proud, self-righteous person. He is saying to them, you have not fulfilled the law. You need saving. But then to the person who is humble and who realizes that they are a sinner and they have fallen short of the grace of God, Jesus exposes the true intent of the law. And he says, look, to those who, you know, give mercy will receive mercy. And he's showing that the law really is about God loving us. And Jesus came to fulfill the law he announced in the Sermon of the Mount so that we could be set free uh, based on his performance. So Jesus comes to fulfill the law on our behalf to become our Savior, to become the one who forgives us of our sins. So we have to trust in Jesus, not trust in ourselves. And that's the difference between a religion and a relationship. I am trusting in Jesus. I'm not a perfect person. I, I never will be until Jesus comes again and finishes his work in me and in you. But until then, I am righteous in the eyes of God because I am trusting my salvation to Jesus, not myself. Now, now that I can do that, now Jesus is free to change me because I'm not trying to change me. My power is useless to change me. But Jesus in me, Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit in you, can change you from the inside out. And that's what he does. And so that's a righteous life. It's not about perfectly following all the laws. It's about perfectly trusting in Jesus, who is our righteousness, right? And through that, through that process, Jesus changes us and lines our life up with him. And then last week, Ryan was talking about the parable of the wise and the foolish builder who built their house either on the rock or on the sand. And so I want to just kind of, uh, you know, label that in retrospect, a strong life. If you want a strong life, Jesus says, build your life on my words. Put my teaching into practice. And the same storms that hit everybody else that hits you will not rock your world. You will not fall and crash and fall apart because you will be built on the strength of Jesus's words as you put those into practice. If you build your life on anything other than Jesus and his words uh, for your life, that, that is on unstable, shaking ground, and it will not last. That's what Jesus is saying. So we need to put Jesus' words into practice, not just externally, but internally. Let his words seep into the depths of our soul, changes from the inside out, and that's where the strength comes from, from Jesus. Any area of your life right now built on anything other than Jesus' truths, is going to fall apart. If you've built any area of your life on your opinions or other people's opinions or popular opinions or what you want or what you feel or what you think and it doesn't line up with what Jesus' words are, it is going to fall apart. It's going to collapse. It's not going to work. So I encourage you to filter every area of your life through the words of Jesus and put your life into order according to God's word that you might prosper, that you might be strong in him and, uh, and in, his power, in his powerful might. So today I want to talk about a kingdom life. And I got this phrase, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain when you live your life for the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 6, um, this is what Jesus says 
in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is talking about a kingdom life here. And he's comparing it with uh, the tension of, of this world and the passions uh, of this world. In particular, money and the pursuit of self-security and self-preservation and the things that this world offers. But when he says this, I want to challenge you with this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is a very popular verse. I just want to think about this a little bit with you today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So Jesus is implying that this world is temporary and heaven is eternal. Would you agree with that? That's what Jesus is implying in this statement, that there are some things that are temporary in this world that can, be, can rust, can spoil, can be stolen, uh, can wear out. But then heaven has this connotation of eternity, that, that things somehow can be put into eternity and remain, right, with our life. So somehow Jesus is implying that heavenly treasure is greater than earthly treasure because heavenly treasure lasts forever and earthly treasure, you know, fades away. And he also is implying, I believe, that somehow we can use earthly resources like our life, our time, our energy, our money, our talents, right? Somehow we can use these things to gain eternal treasure, to build or store up eternal treasure in heaven, not just on earth. And so we're talking about two different realms. We're talking about a physical, temporary realm and then we're talking about an eternal, um, not even visible realm, heaven. And so my first point I want to make is this. We have a choice to make according to what Jesus is saying. We either store up temporary treasures on earth or we live our lives in such a way as to store up for ourselves treasures in eternity or in heaven. This is a, a very serious point to consider. How I live my life is either building up things on the earth that will spoil, fade, and disappear and amount to nothing, or how I live my life can actually impact eternity. Wow! This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a different way of living. Jesus is introducing to people this idea that you're not just here to try to survive. Your, your life isn't here just about food and clothing and shelter and trying to make it. No, 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 no. God has such a bigger purpose for your life than just self-preservation or just self-pleasure or just taking care of yourself. No, we're talking about something far beyond our limited existence here that impacts eternity. Somehow our life can make an eternal difference with God. And this is what Jesus is challenging us with. In another gospel in Luke chapter 12, 
Jesus is talking about this idea here as well. And I want to I just reference a parable that he tells. So in Luke chapter 12, verse um, 16, Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So he's blessed. He has all these crops. He's trying to figure out, what do I do? And this is what he came to. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself, yourself, yourself. And then Jesus concludes with his main point of the parable. Again, a parable is just a story Jesus tells to make a point. And here's his point. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And so we had this tension here where um, we see a person who is blessed and comes to the conclusion that um, his life is about himself. And so he stores up this stuff for himself and he wants to then kick back and take it easy. And Jesus is saying, uh, this is not just about you. This isn't just about your own self-preservation. Your life needs to be bigger than that. And he uses this phrase, being rich toward God. So let me just say this. God is not against you and I prospering. All right? This is not the point of the story. The main teaching point Jesus is making is that there is a purpose to your blessing, and the purpose is not just you. Right? Your life is not just about you. The purpose of your redemption and my redemption is to join God's family as an extension of His family, and then to extend his love to others out of the love that he has extended to us, right? This is being rich toward God. So I just want to say this, that my second point in this message is the ultimate goal of life is not to accomplish a comfortable retirement or a large amount of earthly treasures. Instead, it is to be rich toward God. That's the point Jesus is making. It's, he's not saying it's bad to be wealthy. It's bad to be prosperous. He's not saying that at all. But this man's sole focus was himself. And Jesus says, that's not how we live life anymore. Your life matters way more than that. There is a purpose for your blessing. The days that you live, the energy you have, the talents God's blessed you with, the resources he puts into your hands are not just for you. Jesus is saying, you need to be rich toward God not rich toward yourself. So when God blesses us, then he blesses us to be a blessing. And so make sure that your life is reaching out, that the resources that God has given you, your days on this earth, your, your abilities and, and your resources, that, that you see they are for your needs and your family's needs and for the work of God that he's assigned to you to be the conduit of blessing 
to other people, to live a kingdom life, not a self-seeking life, a kingdom life. This is what the kingdom life is all about. We have such a great purpose. So in Matthew, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. Again, Jesus isn't speaking against money. He's saying that money wants to be God in your life. And you can only have one God. Either God is your God, or a lot of people choose money to be their God. And so he talks about that. Now, the worship of money and God are exclusive. You can't worship both. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't trust in money and trust in God at the same time. You can't love money and love God at the same time. Okay, so this is a heart issue. It's not a bank account issue, <laughs> and it's not a church attendance issue. What I mean by that is, you know, the worship of money has nothing to do with how much money you have. You can have a lot of money and not worship money. You can have a little bit of money and worship money. It's all about the heart. It doesn't matter how much money you have. That's not the point. Is Are you trusting, loving, chasing after money, or are you loving, trusting, and chasing after God? That's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, if you will put God first, God will take care of your needs. If you put money first, God's pushed out of the picture, and it's all on you. It's all on you, and it will not end well. Money is a terrible God to serve. And so Jesus is talking about kingdom life, not a self-seeking life. It's your heart that determines you know, whether you're serving God or serving money. Jesus put it this way in, in verse 20 of chapter 6 of Matthew. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't believe it's God's will for me or you to be poor. One of the, um, you know, I know one of the Catholic vows is a vow of poverty. But I, I believe that God's will is that I trust in Him. And as I trust in God, then I become trustworthy by God for His resources. So this is how I see things. That it's not about me having a bunch of money or not a bunch of money. It's about me trusting God. And when I trust God and God knows I trust Him, He trusts me with His resources because not only are those resources to bless me and my family, but He knows that I will be a conduit of that blessing as He directs me to be with the things that He's put in my hands. The relationships God has blessed me with, the opportunities, the time, the energy, the days that I have, the talents that God's blessed me with, the money that God's blessed me with. You know, I want to do what God wants me to do. So it's not about stockpiling stuff for myself. It's about being a conduit of heaven to this earth. And so that's why I believe God wants to prosper us. He wants us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. And I encourage you to think about it that way because this is a different way of viewing life. We don't own anything, we, but we have everything in the kingdom. Does that make sense? I'm not the owner of any of this stuff. It's all God's and, it's all, and God is free to use it any way He wants. If He blesses me with something, it's still His. And then He wants to shift it over here, that's fine because He will take care of my needs. Do you see? So a kingdom life is not a possessing, self-preserving, chasing after things, piling up stuff, trying to 
find security in the amount of things that we have, trying to find pleasure in this world. Our pleasure is in God. Our security is in God. Our hope is in God. Our life is in God. We have all eternity with God. You see? So that's why Jesus says that if you want to have life, then lose it for me. Trust me with your life. Just put your life in my hands and you will find true life and eternal life. That's the offer on the table. That's a kingdom life that Jesus invites us into, into his family, seeing him as Lord and Savior of our lives. And so then these words come to us, which is one of my all-time uh, favorite verses. I think of this all the time. I'm constantly challenged to still live this out in my life. I remember hearing this verse when I was very young, and ever since I've been trying to get better at it, it is a lifelong journey for each and every one of us. These words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's a daily challenge to each and every one of us. When Jesus says it this way, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What things? Well, Jesus was just talking about this in the previous couple of verses, how the world is chasing after clothes and food and security and, and all these worldly needs that we have. And he says, listen, I know that you had these needs. The Father knows you had these needs. But listen to me. Seek first Him, His kingdom, His righteousness, and God will take care of all your needs. That's what Jesus promises. This is amazing. When we see God as our provider, God is actually becomes our provider. When we trust our life into his hands, he takes care of us. And so he says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, don't chase self-survival. Don't chase after self-preservation. Don't chase after self-pleasure. Life is bigger than that. Life has more important things than that. This is what the world chases after. But we live a different life because we have eternal life secured for us. He says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We know that life is not about stuff. Life is about Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In a relationship with him, we have everything we need. So don't chase money, chase the kingdom. You know, God's righteousness, eternal impact, and use your earthly resources to prioritize the things of eternity, loving people, souls, life transformations. That's what God is calling us to do. So my third point is this, seeking first the kingdom puts everything else in proper order in our lives. When we put God first, everything else falls into place for us. God needs to be first in every area of your life. You need to trust him with every area of your life. And so the kingdom, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? We've been talking about this a lot lately. It is God's rule and reign. It's God's will being established. It's things like I mentioned a few weeks ago in Isaiah chapter 61, when Jesus said to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captive free, to bring light to those who are in darkness, to bring comfort to those who are grieving, loving people. That's God's will. God's, God's will and reign 
is to displace darkness, to displace pain and hurt, to displace division, to bring people to God, to bring people to health, to bring people to love and joy and peace, to bring people to truth. And so to seek first God's kingdom is to do these things around us with people, to love people into the kingdom, into the family, into health, into freedom, into truth. Okay? That's what Jesus wants you to seek first in your life. And when you do these things, I'm going all the way back to the beginning, you are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When we seek our own pleasure, we're, I'm just going to say it this way, we're wasting our lives. It's not going to impact eternity. We're just storing up stuff here on earth. And it's going to spoil or be stolen or wear out or disappear or we just leave it behind. It will have no impact on eternity. But for the moments of our life, the days, the moments that we are investing ourselves into seeking first the kingdom, loving people, sharing the good news, bringing someone into the kingdom. When we love people like that, Jesus says, you are storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Your temporary Life is being converted into an eternal impact. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and so that's what the kingdom is. And righteousness is God's way of living. And so to seek first the kingdom of God is God's will being done. And his righteousness is his ways, right? It's to establish his ways. And righteousness produces life. It just produces prosperity and abundance. So God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be alive. And he's saying fullness of life, abundance of life is found seeking first me and putting my kingdom as your top priority in your life. And I'll take care of all the worldly stuff. I'll take care of all, the, all your needs. I, I think of it this way. If you would take care of God's business, God says, I'll take care of your business. Isn't that cool? If you take care of God's business, if you do what God's calling you to do, God will take care of your business. He'll bless you. He'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. That's what Jesus is saying. So, you know, um, how do I, I just want to be real clear. How do I store up treasure for myself in heaven? I've thought about these, these things a lot. Like I said, I've been trying to figure this out since I was a boy. Like, wow, I want to store up treasures in heaven. I want my life to matter. Uh, in fact, my mission statement for myself is um, eternal impact. That's the desire of my life is that what I do has an impact on eternity. That's my two-word mission statement for my life. Eternal impact. That's what I want. And that's what Jesus says is possible. If we choose to seek Him first, put His ways first, He's going to lead and guide us to live a life in such a way that it impacts eternity. That we are storing up treasures in heaven. That people, people's lives will be changed because of our lives. God through us in us, changing other people. And so in, uh, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, God is our provider. And he says, Command them to three things. To do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And he says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves 
as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, Paul, he said, this is how you set, store up for yourself treasures. Do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. Let God take your life and give it away, and you will be laying up treasures in heaven. That's why that is my definition of love, is giving oneself away. That's why I believe it's the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness is keeping, hoarding, preserving, protecting me. And Jesus says, it's the opposite. It's give it away and it will multiply. Your life will multiply. And it won't just multiply here. It will impact eternity. And so the other uh, scripture I want to finish with is what in this idea, what does Jesus recognize as deeds leading to rewards? And I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to close with this passage where there's a parable about sheep and goats. And he summarizes the difference between them in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 36. He says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, your reward, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And they were like, what? How did, when did we do that, Lord? When did we see you sick and visit you or, the, or you know, clothe you or feed you? When did we do these things? I don't, we don't even remember. And he said this in Matthew chapter 25, verse, verse 40. I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. This right here is not a comprehensive list of the things that result in treasures in heaven. Feeding, clothing. This is the idea that Jesus is saying when you love people, even if it's just giving them a cup of cold water, right? You're taking your time, your energy, your talents, your money, your resources, and you're laying them down as God directs you to to love, reach out, help, save, rescue, counsel, console, comfort someone else. Feed them, clothe them, visit them, write a note to them, pray for them. You know, whatever you are doing as God directs you with love, you are actually taking a temporary currency, which is your life, and you're exchanging it ahead into eternal value. You're taking something that you have right now that's going to be passing away, that's temporary, and, and it's being converted into eternal value. Your earthly bank account, you cannot just uh, forward your money to heaven, right? We can't take our house there. We're not going to hitch up a U-Haul to our hearse on our funeral day and take all of our possessions to heaven. I mean, the pharaohs used to try to do that. They used to bury all their precious stuff with them, right? And guess what? <laughs> you, you dig up those tombs, uh, those pyramids, and you still find that stuff there, right? It's not, it's not in heaven. You can't take any of this stuff with you. And yet Jesus has given us this incredible vision for our lives. He's saying you can live your life in such a way 
You take something that's temporary that you, you can't keep anyway, and you can convert it to eternal glory by how you live your life. And he's saying every time that we choose to love, every time that we choose to give, every time we lay our life down for someone else, as God is directing us to, these are good works. These are treasures in heaven. And I just want to encourage you to live your life as, as in the kingdom of God. Live a kingdom of God life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And God will take care of you. And you will be laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Just a daily challenge I want to give you. Each day, just look at your day and ask yourself, how much of what I did today, how my life was lived today, made it into eternity? How much of what did I do today had an eternal impact? And if you keep asking yourself that question, I believe more and more of the quantity of your days will be starting to tilt towards eternity than if you just live life and just take it as it comes. God has a great value on your life and a great purpose for your life. And it's bigger than you. And that's exciting to me. I hope it's exciting to you. May God fill you with his spirit. May he move in you and through you to impact eternity. May you have a huge pile of treasure in heaven when you get there. Today, before I close this message, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And if you're watching this and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've never placed your faith in Him, I want to invite you to place your faith in Him right now for the forgiveness of your sins, to make Him the Lord and Savior of your life so that you are going to be in heaven. And then He will fill you with His Spirit and empower you to live a new life, this kingdom life, a life of great purpose and significance as you take what God has given you, a temporary gift, a life, and you convert it to eternal value by loving other people as you give your life away. If that's you, pray this prayer with me right now in your heart, okay? You can pray it out loud, but definitely it's got to be part of your will in your heart to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. So say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and Savior and I place my faith in you for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that you came and lived a sinless life, that you died and bled for my sin and my sicknesses to redeem me from death and sin itself. And today I receive you. I place my trust in you. I give my life to you. I'm all yours. In your name I pray. And may you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus, so I have this new power to live this new life in you and through you. May my life result in great impact in eternity. Show me the way, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just also bless you today uh, as we close this service. And, uh, and I just... I just want you to just feel the presence of God and the love of God upon you as you go into this new week. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Holy Spirit lead you this week into the good works 
that God created in Christ Jesus for you to do that will result in eternal impact. In His name and to Him be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.